Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my brilliant co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So today we have a guest on. We are so excited for you guys to hear the story of this business and brand that he works for. We have Jared Mayer of Pura Vita Bracelets. Hey, Jared. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Of course. Welcome. Welcome. So if you guys are not familiar with Pura Vita bracelets, you should be. Um, and we were just talking about how we love the brand. We found them in, well, not found them, but we had signed up for their mailing list and now they are everywhere on our feed and um, they're really doing a great job with marketing. So Jared, would you mind sharing with our listeners um, what you do for Pura Vita? Of course. So I am one of the sales directors at Pura Vita Bracelets. Um, we have a wholesale side of the business where we are in about 2,500 stores around the U.S. and um, 10, crunch, 10 countries around the world. So I am in charge of that. All of them. Everything. <laughs> amazing. That is amazing. So did you, so tell us the inception of this business and, and how old you are and not, you know, you in particular, the business and, um, and then where it got started. Of course. Yeah. It's actually a pretty cool story. So, um, myself and my friends all graduated from San Diego state in 2010. I lived with two of my buddies. Their names are Griffin and Paul and we graduated and kind of just wanted to travel and so they decided to go on a trip down to Costa Rica just to surf and kind of get away before starting the real world and, and getting real jobs. And um, they went down to Costa Rica for about two weeks. And a couple of days into the trip, they were chilling on the beach and met these two guys that set up a little table and were selling some handmade bracelets. So they looked at themselves and they thought, you know what? This could be pretty cool. I think people in San Diego would like these. Let's buy some, bring it back. So they went to these two guys. Um, they said, hey, can you make us 400 bracelets? And if so, how long will it take? I think the guys making the bracelets probably thought they were crazy, but they were like, <laughs> hey, you know what? We'll do it. Um, so they got their info, came back a week later and bought 400 bracelets in a grocery bag, bonds bag, something like that, and brought them home to San Diego. Um, got back to San Diego started selling them to their friends in the, in the Greek life and the fraternities, the sororities. Um, and all of a sudden before they knew it, the whole bag was gone. So from there, what they did, um, they kept in touch with the artisans from Costa Rica, shot them over another email, said, Hey, we need more bracelets. These things flew out. How can we get more? Um, so they kept in touch with the guys from Costa, got another batch of bracelets and, uh, Griffin, one of the guys who found it, his mom was the buyer for a store in LA called planet blue. Oh yeah. I'm not sure if you guys, yeah. Huge. Um, really nice store, super trendy boutique. 
um, she was the buyer. So what she did was she took a, I think it was like a little fishbowl or a bucket or something like that, put 50 bracelets in there, a hundred bracelets in there and sold them for five bucks. No one knew if they would sell well, but it was like, Hey, you know what? Let's try it. Let's do it. Um, sold out in like a week. So then awesome. these guys thought, you know what? We have something. And that's just kind of how it started. And, um, from there, one of the guys, Paul, one of the founders, his sister jumped on. And then a few months later, I jumped on and we said, Hey, let myself and Aaron, the sister, take this thing and run with it on the wholesale side, get it in stores all around the country. Let's make moves. And so here we are eight years later, still doing it. That's Amazing. incredible. So what's the breakdown of wholesale to e-commerce to direct to consumer for Pura Vida? I would say it's about 75, 70, 75% e-com, 25, 30% wholesale, but it's growing every year. Um, more and more stores are carrying the line. What's kind of cool is, is myself and Aaron really have never been in this industry. Um, our bracelets sell really well for the surf industry, you know, clothing boutiques, yoga studios, but we had no background in that. So we've just kind of started the business, the, the wholesale side of it and just ran with it, you know? Yeah. I love that. Let's talk a little bit more about that. How did you guys get into, did you just literally knock on their doors and present to them or how did you pitch them? Yeah. Like what did year one, then year two look like? Okay. So, well, first of all, what's kind of funny is, um, I was actually doing commercial real estate before this and I hated it. <laughs> and so I approached, uh, my two buddies and I said, Hey, look, I know I don't have any experience, but, um, you don't even have to pay me. Just let me on board. I know this thing's going to be a hit and I know we're going to kill it. So I came on, um, with basically my back against the wall and same with, uh, same with Aaron. And we were like, let's just do anything we can to get people to buy and, and resell these bracelets. So year one, um, was a lot of cold calls. Um, it was a lot of Googling, um, you know, surf shop, San Diego or yoga studio, Seattle and finding the numbers, calling, asking for the buyers, um, and asking if we could send them samples. Um, it was a lot of that over and over and over. You send them samples, call back a week later, see if they got them. And it wasn't very easy because everyone's first reaction to these bracelets. I don't know if you've seen them, but when we first started, it was, it's a string bracelet. You know, it looks like a bracelet that you made in fourth grade. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, that's what... Yeah, yeah initial reaction. Yeah. Know. I think if you see yeah. one single, but if you see it, the stack of them or you see like the color variation, that also is like the impact where you kind of get it. You're like, they oh yeah. They do kind of look like the friendship bracelet from back in the day. Yeah. They, you right. know, so I get that. Especially <laughs> when we first started, you know, that we just had a basic one. There was no... So now we have a little peach arm on the all brand. of them. We didn't have that. So in the beginning, year one, year two, it really did just look like a little friendship bracelet. How, how did you get those people to be like, yeah, we'll try it out? Was there anything special that you offered them or were they just giving you a chance? I would say the biggest thing for us was the story behind it. So people really like product with a story. You know, when we were starting, Tom's was in its peak. So... Mm-hmm. Everyone loved how Tom's sold shoes and gave back. Um, and we were in that same kind of boat. I mean, for us, every bracelet was handmade. 
and we were providing jobs for artisans in Costa Rica. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing that really started getting the motion going. Besides that, the bracelets are a wax coated polyester. So they're all waterproof. The quality is really, really good. You can buy it, surf, swim, shower, go to yoga, and your blue bracelet will still be blue in three years. You know what I mean? It doesn't fade out. I love that. I actually didn't know that. But on your packaging too, like you have a little hang tag that does still say that it's made by artisans in Costa Rica. So so you still do on such a tiny thing have that information to this day as people are learning about the brand. Right. Yeah. So, well, the, the bracelets have a little peach arm that says Pure Vita bracelets on mm-hmm. it. Um, and if you go into, if you go to our website, you'll see information about that. And if you go into stores, our display says that now fast forward, you know, eight years, we actually have artisans in Costa Rica, um, El Salvador, artisans in India that we've taken out of poverty. So I can go more into that and how we've expanded the products, but yeah, no matter where you buy it, whether it's our website, whether it's in a store, um, you know, you see all the marketing and all the advertising with it. And what would you say was your big sort of break that sort of took you guys from this cold calling aspect and and trying to convince people to buy it? What was the thing that sort of switched it for you? I would say, I would say two things. So one thing I think that we do really well is marketing. Um, We have really, really good high quality photos, high quality images. And with that, our social media, our Instagram, our Facebook grew really, really fast naturally um, without paid followers or anything. So that kind of helped get the ball rolling. Um, We had a bunch of college kids at every school around the country join what we started, what was called a campus rep program. So we were having kids sign up, sending them bracelets. They were giving them out to their friends, telling their friends about it. And that really spread the word. So with that, we were able to call stores and say, hey, I have people that want to buy our bracelets in your store. Here's how you can see it. You know, look at our Instagram. We have 100,000 followers. We have 200,000. Here's emails of people saying, hey, I live in, you know, Miami. Where can I buy bracelets? I live in Seattle. Where can I buy bracelets? So we started gaining proof and that really helped get us into stores as well. Yeah, I just saw an ad actually. It wasn't an ad. It was a mention of you guys where one of the bloggers that I follow, she received a package from Pura Vida and it was like six um, little tiny packages all wrapped individually with a different bracelet. So it's like an advent style mm-hmm. thing and it was really cool. I think that's what your brand does really well is creative marketing for sure. Like you guys just delight the heck out of your people that work with you and kind of lift everybody up, like artisans, the bloggers, the, you, it doesn't feel like marketing. It feels like a lifestyle and a very beautiful one where you're just carefree and beautiful and living in the sunshine. And so I actually saw Pira Vida in my suntan salon too. My, what is that called? Like Tanning salon? Tanning salon, yes. Is it called Suntan City? Yes, it is. Yeah. He sells they to them because he's the rep. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, have, uh, they have locations all over the US and they sell us in all of them and, and kill it, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, Hey, we're going to have Jared on soon. And they were there on the countertop and very beautifully displayed. So is that something that you work with your boutiques on how to display or is that totally up to them? Yeah. So we have displays that we've made and we provide. 
we have different tiers of displays depending on the type of store, how big the store is and how much product they want to carry. Um, we started, when we started years ago, we started with a little tree. Um, we wanted it, everything to be natural, to kind of look beachy, to look, to look that vibe. So we just had this brown um, tree made from, you know, recycled driftwood. The branches, there was like six branches in there. Half of them were crooked because we didn't know what we were doing, but we were doing <laughs> it. And, and so that's kind of how we started. And then as we grew, people wanted to carry more products. We came out with more products. We came out with rings, jewelry, et cetera. So we've made bigger displays with more pegs. We've made anklet displays, ring displays, um, just bracelet displays. And we provide those to stores when they bring the line in. And do you have them? So, cause I had an accessory line also back in the day. Um, do you provide one, let's say included, but then they have to hit a certain minimum to get the other ones or like for the point of each sale? One, each, yeah. Each one is a minimum basically. Okay. So, um, we have a minimum opening order and with that, they can kind of choose which one they want and we help. I mean, one of them, so for example, one of our displays has 72 pegs on it that carries a lot of stuff. So, mm-hmm. What we want there is if this store is carrying rings, earrings, bracelets, and necklaces, I most likely want them to have that because it could fit all that. Um, if there's another store that doesn't really want any of the metal and just wants bracelets, I'm going to push them more towards a display that has 18 pegs. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what they want and what they carry. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, so let's talk about the start the startup aspect again because a lot of our listeners are, you know, they're they're probably some of them have been in business just as long, but a lot of them are in the first few years of business. So right now we're talking about that you require opening order minimums, but when you were starting, would you recommend that to other people who are getting into the wholesale realm, like that they should start with any type of minimum, like six style minimum or six colors, or how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. We started, even when we were brand new, we started with a minimum. Um, it's just because you don't really want someone to open with four bracelets or four rings or whatever you have. Um, you want them to have a display. You want the display to be filled and you want your branding to be on point. One of the biggest things we found was that if someone has an empty display, the product doesn't sell that well. You know, like if you walk up to a display that it's full, it has a bunch of colors, your eyes go there, you think the product's cool, you wanna grab it. If you go to our display and two branches are empty, one of the branches has three bracelets on it, it kind of looks like, you know, it just looks thrown together, it doesn't look that great. So I would definitely recommend starting with a minimum. It doesn't have to be $1,000, $5,000, it can be $300, it doesn't matter, but just have one, stick to it, figure out a display, and also have some sort of starter pack where you put together an assortment of your best sellers so you can make it really, really easy for these store buyers. I love yeah. that. <laughs> it's like having a smaller display, right? That's a simple solution right there. You guys do it really well in that you have tiers of displays. So there's the multi-armed tree, but you really could have a tree. You just, you started off with one that was a smaller display. Even the fishbowl idea. So mm-hmm. like hinky pinky, the underwear, same, same timing, probably being sold in a fishbowl next to your bracelets back in 2010, um, would roll these, the underwear, it was one size fits most underwear and have it in a bowl at the counter. So it was like one of those things. So I think it's even just explaining to the people who are buying from you, like, this is where we've seen, this is a good way to display it. Um, 
and not for your business specifically, but I like that you have the starter package and that's what we've sort of consulted some of our um, people that we work with on as they're showing us their line sheets. It's like, okay, take your best sellers and make it really easy for the buyer to be like, okay, that's doing really well. Great. I'll take that. Instead of them having to figure out the quantity of each style and, you know, your option to it. Yeah. And And also leading with the story. When you lead with the story, you're allowing your boutique or whatever to lead with the story too. And it gives an easy sell. Yeah, what what I learned, what the biggest thing I learned with the cold calling and the cold reach out and the basically begging people <laughs> to sell our bracelets for years was um, make it as easy as possible for these buyers to bring your product in. They have a million other things going on. They're running a store, they're running five stores, they're running 50 stores, you know. And especially with bracelets like ours, like when we started, bracelets were more of yeah, you know, hey, I'll throw them on the counter. If they sell, they sell. You know, it's not paying my rent. Um, it's not paying my employees. It's not keeping the lights on. It's a cool little add-on here and there. Now, because, you know, we've grown and our name has grown and there's a lot of other great bracelet brands out there too that have grown and that were there before us. It's more of a category where people say, hey, I have my denim. I have my women's dresses. And I have my jewelry. Like it's a big part of my business and I put a lot of thought into it now. When we started, people don't really want to give us the time of day because it was like, hey, I, I don't really sell bracelets. I don't really care. So with that being said, um, I think the best thing to do is say, hey, look, I sent you samples. Our minimum order is X. I already put together an order for you. All I need you to do is, is say yes. Check it out and say yes. I know you don't want to spend 30 minutes picking out colors picking out sizes, picking out this, picking out that. Like I already did that for you. Leave it to me. I stare at it every day. So I think that's something that in the beginning, we gave a bunch of colors. We had a bunch of options. As we figured it out, we said, hey, here's how you start. It's super easy. And they said, yep. And the bracelets were at the door a week later. Amazing. I love that. Say yeah. All you have to do is say yes. It's not like, hey, yes or no. You're at least, you're just basically say yes. And that person feels like, yeah, okay, yes. And give me your credit right, card. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's not super pushy. It's more of just like, hey, look, I, I know you have a million other things going on. I stare at bracelets or, you know, whatever product you sell. I stare at that product all day. I know what I'm doing. You know, trust me, I'll, I'll give you the best stuff. And I think they're stoked on it because they can just say, yeah, you know, give you the approval and then move on. Yeah. And I think, and that's something that when you do build your wholesale business, that the buyer, the buyer seller relationship is so intimate. So oftentimes, like if you get a sales rep, like you're a rep now with established boutiques and established company you're repping. But like if someone took on a showroom, for example, you also go for a showroom that has connections to stores that knows the buyer at Planet Blue can call the buyer and be like, I have this brand. I really love it. Test it. This is what I think you should throw in your store. And oftentimes the buyer trusts you and is like, yep, I'll do that. So I'm sure you even have that relationship now that even with your new products that you're launching, you can call up buyers and be like, this is new. You're going to love it. Do X. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it, with anything, sales is relationship based, mm-hmm. you know? And if, if people you're selling to trust you and you've steered them in the right direction so far, they're going to continue trusting you. So we, you know, when we started, we had just bracelets. The bracelets worked, they sold really well, and we started coming out with rings. And I can go more into the rings later because we had this ring called the, it's a wave ring that I'm sure you've probably seen ads for that mm-hmm. really, really put us on the map. I would say that was one of the couple tipping points for the brand 
But when we came out with rings, you know, at first everyone's like, hey, whoa, 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 you guys are a bracelet brand. Like, what are these rings? But it's like, hey, look, we've been working together for three years. You sell the product well, your customers love it. Try the rings, you know, like I, I, we wouldn't come out with a product that we didn't stand behind. And so a lot of people said, okay, you know what? You're right. I'll bring it in. Okay. So you just said something really important here. <laughs> you said, we've been working together for three years. Now try the ring. So oftentimes people start lines. You guys started the bracelets and you could have in your first or second year done bracelets and a ring and a necklace and another bracelet. And, but it sounds like you really built your brand consistently on the product that worked before you branched out into another product. Um, yes, a hundred percent. I think something we learned, I guess the hard way, but not, not, not really hard, but is stick to what you're good at. You know, it's, it's so easy and I've seen it with a lot of brands. I go to a lot of trade shows. That's another thing that really helped. And, and I can tell you about all the trade shows we go to. Um, but I've seen so many brands start up one year as a, let's say bracelet. They start up one year as a bracelet brand. The next year, all of a sudden they have t-shirts. Okay. The next year they make hats, socks, and you know, watches. And it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of overload and it's people being kind of good at a, at a bunch of things instead of being the best and industry leader at one thing. Mm -hmm. And we made that mistake. I mean, we started with bracelets. We came out with, for a little while, we had a bikini line. Um, we, we, someone told us it would be cool to do that. So we tried it. Um, we've done towels in the past and they've, everything's done. Okay. But it all comes back to bracelets, you know, and now rings, but we've really learned to stick with what you're good at and be the best in that category mm -hmm. and be known for something. So they know if they need bracelets, you are those people. It's the same. Um, you probably know, or I don't know if you guys do, but she, Caitlin Crosby from the giving keys. So yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen them in the past. Same same trade show kind of thing, world life too. And she's known for keys for these necklaces and she's expanded a bit, but she's still the same thing. You know, you're going to her brand for X. She hasn't started a clothing line, even though she's dresses adorably, <laughs> you know, um, yes. she hasn't started a kid's line. She stayed and she's just expanded on the product and like changed the materials that came in, made some higher end ones, you know, varied there. So, so let's talk yeah. about we met you at a trade show. Well, we didn't meet you specifically, but if anyone follows our Instagram, we did a interview with the ladies that you had working for the brand in the, um, uh, Caravan. Airstream. the Airstream yeah. um, outside. So we were at the magic show, uh, at, was it Coterie? Project, I think. It was a project. 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 Yeah. Like an old lady that knows nothing. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Pay for effort. Um, Pay for effort. Yeah. Thank you. So it was so cute. So Mina and I were walking into this trade show, which is where the buyers go to buy wholesale. And we're walking in and we see the Airstream and the girls are out there and there's like little like fake grass and a chalkboard and they're like, come on in. And you had the display. So the pegboard display with like everything up there. All the bracelets and you were giving them away. So it was like, would you guys like one? So right then and there, it like pulled people in that giveaway. And obviously you can't give away everything. Like if you had a, you know, a jewelry line that was 14 karat gold. You're not going to give those away, but it pulled us in. And if we were buyers, um, it would have been great. And then we interviewed them and then cut to me posting it on my Instagram and getting a message from my brother being like, hold on. Do you know that I know the guys who started Pura Vida? Because he also, uh, went to San Diego state with you. So it was just kind of like a, like a random connection of how we met, but talk to us then again about the trade shows. So 
in the very beginning, you knew nothing. You didn't know about probably all the things people know about magic. When did you decide that it was the right time for you to go to a trade show versus cold calling? And then tell us about now sort of what your structure looks like with that. Yeah, totally. I would attribute a lot of our success in the wholesale ream to trade shows for sure. So our first year in, um, one of the guys, it was Griff or it was Paul, had a friend um, that had a booth at Magic or at Project and said, hey, do you guys want to set up a, a display here and sell some bracelets out of the corner of my booth? And so we set one up and crushed it. And we're like, I, I don't even know what a trade show means. I don't know what this is. But this is crazy because we're in one place with a bunch of store owners. This is insane. So right there, I think everyone was like, all right, we're hooked. We got to keep doing it. Um, and so we went from a little piece of a 10 by 10 booth, a little corner of a table, um, to the next year having our own 10 by 10 booth um, at Project. And then soon at a show called Surf Expo in Orlando, which is surf, skate, swim, super cool trade show. Every brand that we grew up um, buying, Billabong, Quicksilver, Hurley, was at this show. And we were like, this is insane. This is amazing. So um, we went there and then we just kind of expanded. And now, I mean, we started by going to maybe one or two trade shows a year. And now we are going to 15 to 20 a year. Um, and they're and amazing. Globally you, too. Do you go globally? Or is it all? Ma- mainly in the US. Um, okay. We did it. We did a couple shows internationally. We did a show in Berlin um, back in the day, but I would say 95% US. Okay. So 15 shows. So how do you find that many shows? Cause we've got the, there's, so I like what, when we started this interview, you were saying that you're at this tanning salon that has many locations. So I think a big key to anyone who's going wholesale is that they look for places that are more than one location. Cause usually they'll buy four more stores. Like they might test it and then move into the other stores. But, um, so you're in surf, you're in the regular, like fashion world of things. Any other types of shows that you go to that aren't as typical? Do you go to like yoga studio ones? Are there trade shows for that? (laughs) Um, Not really. There actually is. Yeah. It's that, that's probably our smallest market. Um, there's a show in Huntington that we go to called active Active. collective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's yoga. But I would say our biggest trade shows are project or magic in Vegas. And that is fashion, um, jewelry, accessories, that kind of thing. Uh, we go to a show in New York called The Accessory Show, which you can guess is accessories. <laughs> yep. um, that's a really good show. We go to Surf Expo in Orlando, which is awesome because that hits all of our surf shops, skate shops. And then we go to gift shows in Atlanta and in Dallas a couple times a year. Are those at like the Fig at the... The Mart. The Marts, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So those, the Atlanta gift show and the Dallas gift show are in the markets where, uh-huh. I mean, they're massive 20, 30 story buildings that have permanent showrooms, like you mentioned earlier. And then two to four times a year, the bottom floors are all temporary. So what we do is we go for four or five days, set up a booth at the temporaries and see millions of people. Yeah. So that's, so it's really similar to I, I'm definitely from the traditional model of this whole biz. And so, and I had a, I had an accessories brand. So I did accessories, a show in New York. I did project or coterie with my accessories uh, rep. I used to do the accessory show in 
Vegas. So things are constantly changing, but I like that. So what people don't realize is they're very expensive to do. So 10 by 10 booths are, you know, a couple thousand. And I remember when I would, in the very beginning, be writing my POs and be like, okay, like this is just going to pay for the booth and travel. Then whatever else is like going to pay for production. So I think if anyone's thinking about doing this, I, what you're saying, it's finding a really good show that's specific. So if you're an accessory, would you say that you would recommend someone go to like, let's say accessories, a show versus project if they're specifically an accessory show? Do you have a... Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say um, accessories is great for jewelry. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Accessories, hats, scarves, whatever kind of brand. Project is really, really good for clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have a really big accessories section, but we do much better at the shows that are directly for accessories. Yeah. And what's kind of crazy is we just started going to Atlanta gifts, um, and Dallas gifts and the whole gift market is insane. Like, you know, we had no idea if you would ask me two years ago, if we would be in gift stores, I I wouldn't even know what a gift store really was. We don't have many of those in California Mm -hmm. and on the West coast, but in the South and the East coast, um, in the Midwest, they have a ton of gift stores, you know, like for example, Hallmark stores, um, sell cards and then sell tons of really nice jewelry, candles, um, items for your house, home decor, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's the other thing, right. About, um, accessories of show, I would find that there were hair salons that walked through there. I'm sure you guys have at some point sold because they'll also have a jewelry section or hair salons oftentimes will want some sort of retail component. So if you're in a big show like project or in Vegas, it's a little bit harder to stand out because when the buyers are coming to these, they've got their specific people. So your buyers know that they're going to see you at these shows and they're beelining to your booth or they're setting up an appointment with you to buy because they've got a certain amount of dollars to be spent. But I do think it helps with visibility. And for all the stores, you have no idea exist, right? At these, like, like you said, gift gifting and that you show up at a gift store and, or a gift show and all of a sudden these gift stores pop out of the woodwork. A hundred percent. I mean, um, there's a couple, there's a couple ways that traditionally brands go with wholesale and sales. They have, they go in house and they have in-house reps and they do all their sales via calls, emails, um, and then maybe go out and drive and visit stores, or they'll have sales reps all over the country or showrooms all over the country. So maybe we're based out of California and we will have sales reps in Florida, you know, so they handle all of Florida. We'll have sales reps in the Northeast. They handle New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, et cetera. With us, we were always in-house until very, very recently. And so we needed to go to all these shows because there was no other way we were going to open. Being in San Diego, there was no possible way we were going to open a ton of stores in Connecticut if if we didn't know anyone out there, Mm -hmm. you know? So by going to these shows, it put us right in front of all these faces of hundreds of thousands of buyers we would have never had access to. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really cool. And we, I mean, we went to plenty of shows that didn't work, you know? And I think, you won't know what works for you until you try it. We've always tried every show two times because you can go to shows and I'm sure you you've been there where sometimes you go to a show and you don't write a single order. It's a slow show just in general for everyone. Right. But then you go back and all of a sudden you do well because these people were like, you know what? I saw you here last time. You're credible. You're around. You're Mm -hmm. here to stay. I'll place an order with you. 
because there are so many brands that just go to a show one time and then disappear off the face of the earth. And as a store owner, you don't want to invest in that kind of thing because you bring it in and then you never hear from them again or you never right. see them out there, you know? Yeah, they don't have that structure. They don't make it easy for them either, like how you have. I mean, really, you started from the ground up. Just remember that Jared had one, what, one fourth of a 10 by 10 table, then moved to a 10 by 10 booth, and then moved to now you guys are at 15 to 20 trade shows. So there is a progression um, and sometimes a very expensive progression. It's just really seeing it's the same as looking at your bestseller and reiterating what you're doing. Um, the same with trade show looking at your best-selling trade show and just making sure you go to those trade shows like Project and and then moving on to the next trade show and seeing, did you do well there? Was it the timing? Any of that stuff. Everybody starts at ground zero in a strategy. Right, 100%. And there's been shows where we've gone and we were so busy that we could, didn't even have time to have a drink of water. And there's other shows where we were out one order in four days. You know, yeah. and, and I think you, you can't take it personally I think you just have to realize uh, going to all these shows, you're going to find somewhere you fit in really well and you're going to find somewhere it, it just doesn't work. You mm -hmm. know, you go to a show and, and we're a bracelet brand and everyone is there to buy denim. People aren't going to buy our bracelets. And it's not because we don't have a good product. It's just because that wasn't the right show for it, you know? And something else we did is every time we went to a show that was a good show, we asked the buyers and we asked other brands that we saw killing it what are some other good shows you go to? What are some good areas? What are some other good people you sell to? And so that's kind of how we found all these other shows. Yep. It's just talking to people and getting other people's insight. Talking about connections. Yeah. So um, advice to newbies in this biz, anything like any word of advice that you would leave behind to other product people? Yeah, I would say, like I said earlier, hundred percent stick to what you're good at and try to be the best at a certain category. Um, when it comes to growing, I know that e-com is, is kind of the new wave and, and, you know, every, you can buy everything online, but I still believe that people enjoy going shopping. Mm -hmm. Um, people enjoy trying things on people enjoy buying something and get it, getting it instantly. So I think wholesale is still a big part of business and big part of brands. Um, and when you're starting out, I think you just, you just got to pound the pavement and make those cold calls, find those stores send samples out, go to trade shows and just try to get yourself in front of as many people as you can. Um, one thing I would really suggest, so what really worked for us, we kind of got lucky, but every trade show we went to, we gave a bracelet out to every single person that walked by the booth. So we took our basic, which is called our original, brought a couple hundred to every show and just stood in the hallways hawking people. Anyone that walked by was like, hey, do you want a bracelet? Hey, do you want a bracelet? And as we were putting the bracelet on them, slowly, on purpose, we told the story. <laughs> So that was kind of our way of reeling people in. Whereas, you know, hey, hey, do you want a bracelet? It's free. You know, someone grabs it. And then as we're tying, it's like, hey, so have you ever heard of Pura Vida? We fully support, you know, artisans in Costa Rica. They're all handmade. And by that point, people were like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. Tell me the story. And it kind of brought them in the booth. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's what we, that's our giveaway strategy. We give people who can't give away everything. They have one giveaway. And as people are you know, filling out that long form that you've done, you basically, you know, bombard them. No, not bombard them, but you give them the sales pitch. You say, Hey, have you heard of blah, blah, blah. And then it's a good way to stop them. And, and then kind of the law of uh, reciprocity too. You're giving them something. So then they feel like they need to give you a little something too, you know? Right. Exactly. And 
it, it's cool because um, we would give people bracelets and they bring it home to their kid or they wear the bracelet. And what we, this is what we found the most of is people would wear the bracelet. We give it to them the first day, let's say. Second day, they come back. They're like, you know what? I wore it. I slept with it. I like it. Let's go ahead and ride in order. You know, because sometimes people are going to walk by and it's like, hey, do you want a bracelet? Hey, let me tell you the story. Also, hey, place an order. You never heard of us before. Kind of aggressive. Didn't really work the best. So by them going home, them looking at it, them asking their daughter when they got home, hey, what do you think about this? The daughter says, oh, it's so cool. I love it. Then they come back the next day or then they call us, then they email us and place an order. So I would say if, if you have a, a brand, I mean, I know that maybe someone with shoes, you can't really give a pair of shoes out to every person that walks by. But if you could somehow figure out, you know, if you are a bracelet or an accessory or a jewelry brand, maybe find one of your products that you can make a little bit more inexpensively and give those out to people just so they can have something to, to remember you by, you know? And these are, this is business to business. So this is again, like at a wholesale trade show versus like, you know, you're not going to, uh, some like of our Christmas or holiday like Christmas show. holiday boutique mm-hmm. where you're to your customers. Cause unless it is something like we had a client that does, um, like a baking product and she let people like come in and, and make a cupcake and then take that home. So it wasn't for sure her product, but she had something that they could leave with and be delighted by. So Jacqueline, right. what was that stat from the other day? So Jared, you'll like this. Um, it's something like right now, only 14% of all purchases are made online and the rest is in person at boutiques, only 14%. And that actually grew a ton just from Amazon, you know, getting bigger and, and then the like Toys R Us going out of business and all that stuff. But just imagine whatever the math on that, 100 minus 14, what are we at here? 86% yeah. is still done via wholesale and via, you know, in the stores. Like that's really, that's why it's its own little monster. You know, you kind of, you, with you guys, you have yourself and you have Aaron handling that part. Well, yeah. like if, you know. So I'm just looking up on Forbes because um, mm-hmm. we had seen it, but I, I don't remember exactly where it was. But e-commerce in April of this year, of April of 2018, it said e-commerce may only be 10% of retail. So, 10%. so that people means are 90%. Yeah. I would have thought it'd be way more. Yeah, I would have thought it'd be way right? more than that. Yeah, so it's, there's still something about like exactly what you said. And we coached a client on this the other day, but there's still something about that. Like you said, in person touching and feeling like the delight, delight of being able to get that bag and walk out of a store to see it, to test it, to feel the wax coating. Cause you mentioned it and it was, it was not something I thought about, but as you say it, I'm like, yeah, I could wear this all the time. And it's and not going to uh-huh. That's why um, my my daughters, when I give them stuff, which actually I I took the stuff from the whatever the airstream. I forget what those are called. Caravan. Airstream. Um, yeah, no, you yeah. Got it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she lives in Iowa. There's no. Yeah, beach there. I have no idea. <laughs> um, no, no, and okay. I brought them for my daughters, and I actually took Jacqueline's to bring for my other daughter, <laughs> and I let them wear them in the bath. You know, and you don't think about that stuff for yourself sometimes, but you certainly think about it for your kids because you're like, oh, now I got to take this off of them, blah, blah, blah. So I love that where you can actually see it and know it. And I didn't know that beforehand, but now, you know, I love that. Yeah. And something that we've kind of lived by is make a product that you believe in. And that's a product, you know, either you or your, you know, for me, like we, we make women's jewelry. So it's like make a product that I know. That, that all my friends that are girls would wear, you know, or that my, my girlfriend, my sister, my mom, whoever, um, make a product that, that you know they would wear. Because if you make something and sell something that you don't even believe in, you know, 
how are other people going to believe in it or how are other people going to like it? Um, we all, we all live by the beach. We all go in the water, you know, we surf, we swim, we're active. Um, I play hockey. I wear my bracelets when I play hockey. If our product fell off every time I went in the water, I would have no confidence going to a trade show and selling it to a random person. Mm -hmm. So what I think that is a big thing that we've always stood by is like, if we make a product and all the girls in the office hate it, we're not going to sell it. You know, like that, that's such a big sign of, of don't do it that like, I don't know, it's kind of our little Bible, you know, it's kind of what we live by. When we have samples of new products, we show everyone in the office. If we have a new ring, we give it to the girls to wear it. If we have a metal cuff, we give people the cuff to sample to make sure it's not going to tarnish. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's like with what you were saying with the bracelets and wearing them, like we, I haven't taken mine off in six months, you know? Mm -hmm. So you had said that the ring was one of the tipping points of your business, like aha, an aha moment where you added on and it did really well, you know, in online speak, it's probably like viral, you know, going viral. So is there anything else in your business that you felt like really pushed you forward, like a tipping point like that? To be honest, I would say the rings is the biggest one. I mean, mm -hmm. we sold, we're a bracelet company. We're called Pure Vita Bracelets. And we got the idea to start selling this ring called the wave ring. And if you haven't seen it, it's a, uh, it's a, like a thin metal ring in the shape of a wave. And at first we were a little scared. And we said, you know what, let's try it. Our customers, I mean, our brand embodies the beach lifestyle, vacation, California, Hawaii, et cetera. So we thought, why not have a wave? If we're going to do a ring, let's have it be a wave. And this thing crushed it. Literally went viral. I mean, like you said, every store was ordering it. Stores were selling out. Online was selling out. I mean, I think we sold close to a million of these things. Like it, it, it went crazy. It really did. And so all these stores started calling us and they were like, Hey, I saw your wavering. I need your products. Hey, I saw your wavering. I need your products online. Everyone would buy a wavering and then buy a couple other bracelets with it. So I would say that was one of the biggest tipping points for our brand, which is crazy because we started as a bracelet company. But what that also allowed was all of these waverings are handmade by artisans in India. And so they literally take these rings with metal and bend them into the shape of a ring. And so now we've been able to employ about 80 artisans out there and take them out of poverty and they make the rings for us. That's amazing. I love that. Um, so we'll put a link obviously on, um, on those show notes and you guys will be able to just kind of click to see this ring, but it's cool. And what's interesting too, is that you didn't jump to a crazy price point. Like they're $12, I think retail. 12 bucks. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. So still within that range of somebody who's going to buy a $5 ultimately like string bracelet and be able to stack and maybe spend $15 and buy three of them. And then within that range, they're still able to also then jump to another brand. You didn't come out with a $40 metal ring and have your $5 bracelet. So it was really easy buy-in and it kept the customers and the category the same. That's a really good point. I, that's something, another thing that we really, uh, really try to focus on is we want to make really good products for a really good price. We know our market. I mean, we know the people that buy our products are, are eight to, you know, 15 year olds to girls in college to, you know, even 25, 30 year olds, et cetera. But our main market is probably 18 to 24, 16 to 24. So if we start selling products that are $6, $10, $12, and then we introduce a ring for $50, it's just not going to work, you know? And as much as I can say, man, it'd be really cool to have 
products are a hundred bucks or have our average order value go way up because we're selling expensive things, it won't work. You know, it hasn't worked. And that's just another mistake we made as we were younger, you know, but you learn from your mistakes is like, we had a bunch of $12 bracelets. And then me personally, I found this really cool bracelet I liked. So we made something similar and retailed it for $40. Needless to say, it flopped. Stores bought it, returned them. No one bought it online. And we realized just keep making product in the same price point. If all of your jewelry is $40 to $60, and then you try to come out with a $200 piece, it may work. But if you're trying to sell a lot of them, it probably won't. Mm-hmm. It's really knowing your customer, like what your customer wants. You're speaking to exactly what they need and want. Right. And and if someone someone likes you for what you do, that's why I'm saying be the best at what you, what you do. When we try to make shirts, people would go into stores and say, hey, I like Pura Vida because you make bracelets. If I want a shirt, I'm just going to buy a Bill Long shirt. You know, like I, I, Pura Vida is not the shirt brand for me. So the same thing with what we're doing is like, hey, I love your rings for $12. If I want to buy a $150 ring, I'm going to buy this other brand. You know, like that's who I look at for that price point. I look mm-hmm. at you guys for six to 20. Yeah. And also still artisan made, which is incredible, right? Because that still folds into your story and why you started it in the first place. And now, you know, there's the Costa Rica artisans and then there's the ones in India. So I think it's incredible. Um, You're basically able to keep your promise of high quality stuff made by artisans at a very affordable price, you know, same avatar. So incredible. And it's so exciting. Um, So we often end our interviews with some rapid fire questions, which Jacqueline will get into. So they're fun. They're fun. They're fun. They're super easy. Uh, (laughs) I just like to add that dramatic tone to it. (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, And actually one, one thing I forgot to mention, I'm sorry, I probably should have said it sooner. Um, We started with two artisans, the two guys we first met down Uh in Costa Rica, just in case people are more interested in the story. I mean, you could read it about online, but we started with the two artisans and now, eight and a half years later, we're up to 350 artisans around the world that hand make our products and, and that we've taken out of poverty. That's so, so awesome. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. And you can, you can go to our site and read more about it. And um, another part of our brand that really helped us too is we have a whole charity section on the website um, where we've linked up with a little under 200 charities and made them special bracelets um, to where if someone goes on our site and buys that bracelet, for example, one of the charities we work with is Boarding for Breast Cancer. It's a pink bracelet. If someone buys it online, we donate money to that charity. Um, and we just started wholesaling these as well, all of our charity bracelets, and they've been a really big hit. So I love that. And you just said Boarding for Breast Cancer, so that's like surfboard boarding? Uh, snowboard. They, snowboarding. They do. Yeah, it's like snowboarding for breast cancer. Um, their bracelet's pink, like they donate. You know, another big one is anxiety awareness or, um, you know, American Heart Association we work with. So we have a red bracelet for them. So I would say that's like we said in the beginning, just tying back to how much story matters. Um, If you can give back, if you can have a cool product and give back, I think it it really goes far. Also aligning your customers. So snowboarding is still that surf, skate, Southern California, that, that thing. And so I think when you're first starting, you may not be able to land American Heart Association just initially, but you can go to these smaller ones that are really specific to maybe something that your customer would donate to on their own. You guys have a very similar avatar and it'd be easier to create that 
that collaboration. So if you're doing dog product and you found like some dog charity, you know, maybe it was like gothic dog, whatever, because <laughs> that's what you did. You could, um, I know just all pulling out of my head, but you could link with that. And then you have one charity to start with. So eventually as you're building that, then you can go to Susan G. Komen or you could go to the heart, you know, heart association and be like, I've done this other stuff. Do you want to work together? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there'd be one charity out there that would say no to you if you want to work with them and donate and, and spread the word about them. So I think that that's a really good aspect to have. Like you said, whether you sell dog leashes and you give back $2 to the ASPCA, that's for the dogs, right? The, mm-hmm. the animal. Yep. Yeah. The ASPCA, um, or you sell surfboards and you give back to life rolls on, which is a, a another charity that has to do with, um, wheelchairs and active sports. Like, Anything you can do to give back, I think goes a long way. I love that. If, weren't you guys, or Jacqueline, maybe I'm so out of touch of times, but I was surprised that those artisans in Costa Rica had an email. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, that's, funny. that's funny that you say that. So we actually set up an email for them. Oh, We okay. also helped figure out how they could ship bracelets because they had no idea how to ship. Um, I love that. Uh, yeah. And then we also helped them set up a factory where they could get the string from. Resourcefulness. And you guys really yeah. built the process for them. And yeah, I was like, wow, they had email. That's incredible. They were set up as a business. No, you did that for no, them. Definitely not. Yeah, we did. Uh, sorry, I left that, that part out. <laughs> it wasn't like, go to the local payphone at 3 p.m. <laughs> and I will call you then. <laughs> I mean, what's kind of crazy is we we put a lot of trust. I mean, we gave, we sent them after we were home and we needed more. We sent them a wire. They set up a bank. We sent them a wire for another thousand bracelets, and now and we said, "Hey, fingers crossed, they actually send them." Yeah. Because if they don't, we don't know where to find these guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, hopefully we get bracelets in the mail in two weeks. Thankfully we did, and it worked out. But we had our fingers crossed. We had our fingers crossed. Are they still? There. I don't know if you can answer this, but are they still a part of the company? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, their names are are Jorge and Joaquin. And they are still the two main guys down in Central America. They're the ones that um, set up new areas to work in, hire more people. It's all their friends and family working there. They, uh, yeah, they lead the whole operation down there. Something they never thought would happen from that little, like, being on that beach. Well, good thing they didn't take that $1,000 and run with their that thousand prices. <laughs> yeah, I know. They kept their money in. They kept their money in, which is good. They didn't well, take it and run. And it's and crazy thought- if someone else you know, Griffin Paul had asked some other people for it first and those people said no, uh, which is really crazy. So yeah. <laughs> it's, good it's, good that, it's good that the two guys said yes. They yeah. saw the potential and they, and, and they got to meet in person. So it wasn't just yes. something random. Like they were, you guys are pretty uh, personable, you know, like if I know. Well, some people just aren't meant to be entrepreneurs and they don't want that. Those first people yeah. were probably like, you're going to set me up an email. No, thank you. I don't need yeah. an email. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they probably just wanted to hang on the beach, surf, yes. and make some bracelets in their spare time. Right. Yeah, we um we had Mike Michalowicz on, and he was saying he wrote uh he's an author, and he was saying that he had interviewed the guy who started Bert from Bert's Bees. Yeah. And Bert was such like a rancher, like didn't did not have a cell phone, would not get a cell phone, so he would be at a cafe at these hours every day, and if you needed to get a hold of Bert, you would call the cafe, they'd answer, and then yeah, like, it was. Bert. His convenience store. He was at like yeah. his yeah general store. That's awesome. And then That's he'd so pick funny. it up. Somebody pick it up, and they'd be like, "Bert, the phone's for you." 
that's like out of a movie, right? <laughs> like with a, with a dude at a diner or something, you know, <laughs> a local diner. So you guys have, so yeah, this is it's incredible. So, okay. We're going to jump into these questions. Sorry. I went off topic there. No, it's, no, loved it. Oh my I God. I feel like I can have two more interviews with you. I've got so many more. Well, this is actually Jared's first interview, you guys. So if we can, you know, wrangle him into being a continuing person, we can actually stay, stay with Pura Vida's growth and see how, how it's going to grow. Yeah. I mean, if you guys, if you wanted to have me back, I'd be happy to do it. I, I could still touch on how we grew the inside sales program and how now we have reps outside and how to grow that. So amazing. Love Maybe that. even like a masterclass or one of our masterminds or something. I think there's so many, there's so much information I want to extract from your brain, but we're going <laughs> to jump into the fun question. Random question time. Let's yeah. do it. Yes. Okay. So what is your coffee order? I actually got it this morning, right before it's a iced coffee. It's an iced coffee with a quarter scoop of vanilla powder and a little bit of almond milk on top. I thought you were going to say oat milk latte or something. And then you would have been my uh, California soul. <laughs> my close second is a vanilla latte with almond milk, mm-hmm. but I would say I more often go with iced coffee. Mm-hmm. And I just do a quarter scoop of vanilla because anytime you go a little more, it's kind of a sugar bomb. Too sugar. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's the favorite thing on your desk? My candles. Cool. I'm a, I, I really love big, uh, I really love good smells. So I always make sure I have at least two candles on my desk at all times. I'm lucky my sister makes candles. And so I kind of got the in. I just have her send me candles every week and just keep restocking. Do you want to do a shout out to your sister's brand? Yeah. My sister's brand is called Blue Candles, B-L-E-W. She lives in Hermosa and she makes some awesome candles. Amazing. We'll find that. I'll put a link in our show notes too, because it's another product boss. All right. Finish this sentence. When I pick up my phone, I... Check Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty consistent. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, it's bad. That's a bad habit. But <laughs> I would say a mine's close second would be check it. A close second would be check my email. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. You wish you knew how to. To be honest, I wish I knew how to surf better. All of my buddies, we all surf here. We all live by the beach. Um, I just started a couple years ago, and I just wish I could surf better. New thing to do, build into your uh, your business structure is Friday surf days. <laughs> Friday yeah. surf days. Yeah, I mean, they did that. At, do you ever hear board meetings where board meetings? they actually have the meeting on the water? I think you know? like Hurley so or Quicksilver awesome. in the summers would do Friday surf days, and they would teach the they would teach the company like the staff also like how to surf to keep the brand mm-hmm. the brand up. So many people in my office surf, so I think uh, that that idea would fly hands down. Uh, let's see, what was the last show you binge watched? this show called The Haunting of Hill House or The ha- House of Haunted oh, Hill. Have you heard that? Yes. The, you know what's annoying about Netflix and Amazon Video is they play the ads no matter what, even if your kids are around. Yes. That was one of them. That I'd be like, oh my God, don't watch the TV. Yes. No, so I'm, a big, <laughs> I'm a big scary movie guy. I love scary movies. Um, and so it's called The Haunting of Hill House. That's what yeah. it's kind of a tongue twister. Um, I heard it was really good. And so I've been binge watching it and I love it. Oh my gosh. Scary. If I, I could not binge watch scary because I'd be living in that. Um, <laughs> okay. So Thanks. if, if you had a business card, but you may not, but if you had a business card, what should the title on your business card actually say? Can I tell you what mine actually does? Cause it's yeah. kind of witty. Yes. Sure. Making strings happen. Yes. Oh, I love it. You like that? Uh-huh. Kind of business card I like. So good. So good. Yep. So my actual business card says that it says Jared Mayer making strings happen. So amazing. All right. Do you have an alter ego or stage persona? Not really. Hmm. 
I don't know. Not really. I mean, I, that's kind of a hard question. I, yeah, I don't really you know think like, I do. Beyonce is like Sasha Fierce, you know, I mean, with, I don't with know public speaking. I love public speaking. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I like talking public. To be honest, what I would say is I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm calm. I'm not really confrontational. I don't know if this counts for your question, but when I play hockey, I'm a pretty aggressive guy that gets angry quickly. So it's like, I would say my alter ego is just kind of when I play sports, I'm a little bit aggro. The hockey, the <laughs> hockey player version of you. Does that count? Does yeah. That yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. okay. We were saying right. even for us, like we put on glasses or you put in earbuds and now I'm a podcaster. So, you know, there's just oh, a little thing funny. that you have to do. Yeah. Up. Even yeah. approaching a boutique, cold calling them. Sometimes you have to put on that persona because it's hard for t- to cold call, you know? And so, yeah. yeah hockey player is to be honest brilliant. i'm i'm pretty lucky like something that that we've done and that we've been and what i teach my reps too and what what i've always done is like when you make these cold calls embody the brand that we sell and so we don't we're not selling real estate we're not selling cars we're not selling something like that solar energy i'm selling bracelets that people wear on the beach so when i call stores i say hey what's up it's jared from pure vita you know i'm like i say stoked every other word in my email so I'm lucky I don't have to put on that kind of like sales guy thing. I think people really enjoy that when they speak to us or when they call us, when they do that, they're like, I know you live in San Diego, don't you? You're from Southern California. I love that place, you know? <laughs> so brilliant. I love that. Okay. Right. So last question, Jared. Um, we often hear that entrepreneur years are like dog years, you know, so seven years each year. Um, what would you give for for advice to baby Jared when he was first starting his entrepreneurial journey? Wow. I like that. I would say put your head down and keep working. Keep hustling. Don't worry about what's going on around you and what other brands are doing and what other people are doing. As long as you're focused and you're working hard, results are going to come. There was a lot of times where where I sat there and I was like, what am I doing? I'm selling bracelets. Like, when I first told my parents what I was doing, they were like, hey, we didn't, we didn't pay for you to go to college to sit in your buddy's bedroom and sell string, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of times where that got me down and, and there was times I second guessed what I was doing. But now I can look back and say that all that hard work was worth it. Yeah. So great. So share with our listeners how they can find Pura Vita bracelets. So we have a website. It's www.puravitabracelets.com. We also sell to about 2,000 stores around the U.S. So on our website, there's a little link called Store Locator, and you can plug in your address and find all the stores near you that sell the bracelets. Love it. Yeah, support your local shop. Yeah, I know. Keep that retail going. I know. Or Suntan City, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we we had to get all the little guys before we could start getting the big guys. So the local boutique, the local surf shop, that's really what helped us get into Suntan City around the country or get into Tilly's. You know, Tilly's has a bunch of locations. The paper store, 80 locations on the East Coast. Like those big guys will come, but you got to support the little guys first. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jared. It was such a good interview. And Jacqueline, was there anything else you wanted to add on? Nope. We'll connect with you soon. And everyone check out the show notes because we'll leave links to uh, Pura Vida's website and their Instagram, which is a must follow. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. 
Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there. If you love the Product Boss Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, product bosses, let's make it happen.